This is the Oklahoma Talking Company. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for coming around again. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. What's shaking, cats and kittens? Welcome to the OKC Show. I'm your host, Jason Baffrey. It is my pleasure to be with you on another one of our great programs. Remember, you can find us online at oklahomatalking.co. Hopefully you're listening there now. Also, you can find us on iTunes, subscribe, and that way you get it right on your smartphone every single week when we release a new show. You can also find the OKC Show on Spreaker and Overcast, two great apps. And if you have an Android, you can get the Spreaker app on your Android device as well, which is cool. So we have a fascinating show for you today, and I want you to think a little bit. Think about your life. Think about what you know about yourself, your friends, your family, your childhood memories, everything that you have learned from the day that you were born until now, wherever you are in your life. Now think about If all of that were gone, all of your memories, if you looked in the mirror and you didn't recognize who you saw there, our guest today is Honey Volucas. And no, she is not a James Bond uh, girl or villainous, but she is a lovely lady who has joined us in the studio today. But her story is quite amazing and fascinating. In 2007, she was involved in a car accident, and the next day her life was forever changed. And honey, welcome to the OKC show. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. Um, so you had a car accident in 2007, and tell us what happened right after that. Well, after the car accident that I um, had in Edmond, Oklahoma, I was taken to the hospital after that accident, and they released me to go home, saying that everything appeared to be fine. When I woke up the next day, my husband noticed that something was not right with me. I couldn't communicate with him. I did not speak well. And so he took me back to the hospital. And they realized that I had had suffered a brain injury that just took time for them to recognize what had happened. So they they released you from the hospital. So physically you were you were okay. You didn't suffer broken bones, anything like that or No, I had a closed head brain injury. Okay. And outside of some bruising, I was otherwise fine. No broken yeah. bones. So they checked you out. Nothing like that. You, you, looked, you looked fine. Hey, you, you can go home. You're good. Just, you're going to be in some pain. The typical things that you experience when you have a car accident of some sort, but then you wake up the next day and, I mean, did you wake up and you're like, who am I? Where am I? What's going on? Or, or how did that affect you? I wish that I had that much thought actually going through my brain, but actually I had no idea what was happening. I was just existing at that particular point in time. No thoughts, one way or another. And so your husband recognizes that something's not quite right. He takes you back to the hospital and and what do they, do they run tests at that point? Yes, they ran tests, um, CT scans, MRIs, 
but the truth is they were not able to discover the damage that I had received in my brain except on a PET scan. And so they discovered that I had damaged my right and left temporal lobe and my right parietal. Do you know how long it took at that point? I mean, did they say we need to start doing some sort of therapy to bring your memories back? Or what What was the what did they tell you at that point? My understanding is that they didn't really know at that time what to do with a closed head injury that wasn't that didn't have immediate concerns that needed to be taken care of. And basically, they said, make an appointment with your primary care physician and have him help with a treatment program. What I realized, what I learned later, is that because I was involved in a car accident, many doctors did not want to deal with me because they didn't really know what to do. And in the state of Oklahoma at that time, they didn't have really great knowledge of how to handle closed head brain injuries. They do a much better job now because we have a large number of combat veterans that come back from war with closed head trauma. So they're doing a much better job now than they did eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So tell us what life was like for you at that point in those next few days, few months that that came along after the accident? Mostly, I woke up in a location that I had no idea where I was. I didn't recognize any of the people that were around me. And there were lots of visitors that came by, people bringing food, Lots of people asked me questions, but I couldn't communicate. I had a difficult time communicating with people, and plus lots of noises irritated me and made it difficult for me to concentrate, and I sort of just existed, really, just in my head. I just tried to stay away from everyone and stay in bed until I had to get out to go to therapy. I was sent to speech therapy, occupational therapy, and physical therapy, because I struggled with walking. I was in a wheelchair, and I I had no idea how to do anything. I couldn't get myself dressed in the morning. My nine-year-old daughter made sure that I got dressed every day, picked out my clothing, fixed my hair, put on my makeup, all of that, which is kind of remarkable, really, for a nine-year-old little girl. Yeah, so we should point out, I mean, you, at the time that this happens, you're married, you have two two children, a boy and a girl, who are 13 and 9, is that correct? Yes. At the time of the accident, and you come home to a family that you don't know, you look at yourself in the mirror, and you don't know who you are, what... Do you, can you even comprehend? I mean, how do you explain what that's even like for those of us who, who haven't experienced anything like that? Looking back on it, I realize what a challenge it had to be, not just for me, but for my children. You know, when you meet someone on the street and they introduce themselves to you and they're like, hey, haven't seen you in a long time. How are you doing? You kind of. Yes, that happens to me quite a bit, actually. You're thinking, I have no idea who you are. Yeah. And they can tell, right? Because you sort of have that look, even if you're saying, yeah, it has been a long time. I have no idea who you are. (laughs) 
Yeah, if you're listening and you, you walked up to me on the street, I, I absolutely knew who you were at the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what it was like for me every day when I woke up was a complete reset, first of all. I had no concept of time. So I didn't know what day it was. I didn't know what year it was. And I didn't recognize anything around me. I didn't recognize furniture, myself, my children. And they knew. And it was painful. And I could see that they were hurt, that I didn't recognize them. But I didn't know how to fix it. To me, I didn't know who they were. So I didn't really think of it one way or another at the time. Months later, as the brain begins to heal and I start to make connections, I realize that it hurts people for you not to know who they are. So I became very great at pretending to know everyone. How long did that that process take? I mean, if you were you're living your life, you were waking up with this family, you're seeing these people, your daughter who you don't recognize is doing your makeup, getting you fixed up. And and if I'm understanding correctly, you're you're just like, okay, these people are here and and I don't know who they are, but okay, I'm going to I'm going to roll with it. Is is that about right or That's exactly how it was. I mean, I was just going through the motions. I didn't know not to. Yeah. They would just say, this is your husband, and I, w- I would say, okay, yeah, husband, Tony, got it. This is your daughter, Samantha, Samantha, got it. Daughter, Samantha, I've been married 20 years. Okay, I understand. I'm getting it. This is my house. Today is Tuesday. I just, I started going through the motions. Yeah, but when they left the house... I would forget who they were. And then and then come come back home, you know, <laughs> after work or whatever was going on during that day. I mean, so how do you handle that? Well, at the time, my husband at the time would call me on the phone and say, "This my name is Tony and I'm your husband and I've been at work today and I'm on my way home. I will come home in 30 minutes. My picture is on the counter right there by the phone. I I don't want to scare you when I walk in the door because that's what happened every day he would terrify me because a strange man would walk into my house yeah so i was going to ask i mean did you live in in this fear because all these strangers were coming into your life or coming into your space it was very uncomfortable because i didn't know how to handle it at some level i knew that i was supposed to know these people but I really had no way of knowing the difference between complete strangers and people that I was supposed to know. So the downside to that is that it becomes very easy to be taken advantage of because I don't know who my friends are and who people are that have other ulterior motives mm-hmm. in and, mind. And did you, so I take it by you saying that, that you experienced some of that. Oh, yes. If someone would ask me for money and I had it, I would give it to him. Yeah. So if anyone asked me, would you like to buy this? Okay. Do you want to, uh, will you give us $20 to help with our cause? Okay. I mean, I just, I said yes to everything. Hmm. Kind of a whole different concept to the yes man Maybe. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> and so your husband comes home and you've like given away given the furniture away. <laughs> because somebody came by. Uh, I mean, th- th- that's. Yes, I gave away a coat that he wore that he kept. He hid money in. Oh, wow. 
And he said, why did you do that? And I said, well, um, they knocked on the door and asked if we had anything that we weren't using. And it was summertime. And of course, we're not using coats in the summertime. And I just gave it to him. Wow. Unbelievable. So how long does this process take? Um, you know, the, the the accident happens in September of 2007, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. So the process to relearn your life, how long do you go through this? Well, I can tell you that even to this day, I have no concept of time. I depend on my phone to tell me what day it is and what I'm supposed to do for the day. I think most of us are like that now. So well, good. Yeah. <laughs> and it has positives and negatives. When I meet people, I have no idea whether or not I've known them for 10 years or whether I've known them for a week. So I embrace everyone with the same feeling, I guess, that I've known them for my, my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so then do you, do you still suffer from, um, well, let me let me back up. Do you have any memories from before the accident? The memories that I have before the accident are pretty much implanted. It's everything that people have told me that I was or stories they've shared. When you get together at Christmas time and everyone shares stories about the past, that's how I know my past. And then what about since then? Do you have you developed new memories or is it a um, there was a movie, one of Christopher Nolan's early movies called Memento. I don't know if you've seen that or if you remember seeing that. I don't remember seeing it. Yeah. um, But he had a short term memory loss. He took Polaroids so he could remind himself of who people were, things like that. I mean, do you deal with with anything like that right now? Yes, I do forget people over if I haven't seen someone on a regular basis, they do go away out of my memory after about three to six months. That's where Facebook has been a gigantic help to me because then people stay in front of me Mm -hmm. through their newsfeed and it's extremely helpful to me. Plus I've categorized people like family friends. I've found ways to manipulate the groups so that I know who people are and I can put them in categories. And I have them that way on my phone too. I use, what are the little symbols? Emoji. The emoticons? Yes. I put those next to people's names so that I group them into categories. Okay. So I know where I, how I know them. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the, um, how you dealt with the relationship with your family. Um, you have, as we mentioned, a husband, two children, I assume, uh, other family in your life. How was the, how did things develop there? Because you were not recognizing them. They know you, but they know that you don't know them. How does that work emotionally and and through that life process? I think that it's very more traumatic for the family to live through this process than it was even for me, because I didn't really know what was going on, but they did. So I'm divorced now, 
my husband had a very difficult time overcoming the fact that I didn't remember our first date. I didn't remember getting married. Um, He is a complete stranger to me. I wasn't comfortable around him. He was not comfortable around me. And I think we had a, a great marriage, you know, prior to that. I think it was a normal marriage where you have your ups and downs. But for the most part, we'd been together for 20 years. And... And actually, even the divorce was pretty difficult on me because he's all I knew. I didn't love him, but I didn't know anyone else. To me, he's turned into a caregiver at that point, not a husband. So I had a different relationship with him, Mm -hmm. probably almost um, like a father figure type situation. I I depended on him to take care of me. And when that went away, it was damaging to all of us. My children suffered. My daughter stepped up into being almost an instant grown-up. She cooked dinner, you know, every night. She did the laundry. She made sure that I was dressed properly. She did my hair. She handled all the phone calls that came in, visitors. My son retreated. He had a very difficult time with it. He ran away from home. He lived on the streets and on couches and stuff for about a year before my parents were able to convince him to come and live with them. So he lived with his grandparents uh, for the, he never came back home. Mm -hmm. Basically after that, he's a grown up and he's married and has a baby and we have a great relationship now, but it's different. And every so often he misses his mom. They still grieve the loss of their mother, but we have developed a new relationship over time. And even my dad, for the longest time, every time we would get together, he would start crying. And I thought, listen, dude, like you're freaking me out. Like you've got to quit crying (laughs) because I didn't know him. Yeah. As my dad, he was just some strange man that every time he came around, he started crying and it really made me extremely uncomfortable. So it made it difficult for me to be around my extended family because they didn't know how to communicate with me. Yeah. And I assume everybody's trying to handle you with kid gloves so they don't, you know, affect you in an adverse way at this point. That's correct. And so it was awkward all the way around. Now, I stay with my parents now. I live with my parents. And we have developed a great relationship. It's been probably one of the best things I ever did. Yeah. That's great. Do they talk about, I mean, do they go back and and try to help you relearn memories, show you pictures of when you were a child and and try to instill those things in you? Or is it now just a matter of this is where we are in life and this is we're going to move forward? and, And how does that work? They have learned that it's just better to move forward. If the situation presents itself Christmas, Thanksgiving, where people are reminiscing, then I kind of just sit back and listen, you know, to the stories. If they ask me, even now, if people ask me, do you remember this? I'll be like, sure. <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> yeah. But you really did. You you became a, com- a completely different person. I mean, you changed your name, not changed your name, but you were saying that you went from you had previously been called by your middle name and then you started using your your given name. So you, for all intents and purposes, became an entirely different person. That's correct. Um, Prior to the accident, I was, people who knew me called me Regina. 
Obviously, being born with the first name Honey is awkward for people to use. And I'm sure that it was difficult as a child to have the first name of Honey. And everyone called me Regina. And that's what people who knew me prior to 2007 called me. But when you go, when you're dealing with therapists and doctors every day, and they call you by your given name, because that's what's on your medical record, then I relearned myself as honey. And so that's who, that's how I knew who I was. Was that difficult for, for other people to, I mean, handle the name change? And, and was there a personality change that, that came place? I, I mean, obviously, you don't remember what your personality was like, but has there been a huge personality shift that's come along with that? Yes, there was a personality change, which is the reason why my son had such a difficult time, why my husband had such a difficult time, or ex-husband now, and my parents, people who were very close to me, could tell that I was not the same person anymore. And so I was a completely different person. So now we kind of treat it as Regina died September 18th, 2007, and Honey was born. So September 18th, I celebrate that as my birthday. So I tell people all the time, this year I'll be eight. Yeah, coming up soon, Mm -hmm. September 18th. So happy birthday in advance. Thank you. We're we're glad that you joined us here on the OKC. I'll probably have a a party with cake and hats. Awesome. (laughs) I hope we get an invite for that. So can you tell us, I mean, from what people have told you, what, what was the... What were the different personalities? I think the changes were very subtle. Okay. So previously, I had about 155 IQ, a photographic memory. I homeschooled my children because I didn't trust the school to do a very good job. I ran a construction company at the exact same time. I was a volleyball coach in my spare time, which I can't even imagine how I would even have spare time after all of that. And I was very rigid. Okay. I think with with people and expectations, I had high expectations of people. And my dad tells a story of when I was at the construction company one Monday morning that I fired 17 people in one day because I got, I was irritated with how a job was not being handled properly and I just went and hired all new people. Definitely a type A personality, go-getter type of person prior to the accident. So since then, what, what have the changes been? Since then, I spend most of my time actually giving back to others I don't worry about how much money I make. I assume that it's all going to be taken. I have faith that everything will be taken care of. I do work and run a small construction company where we do home repairs and remodels on houses. I do some of the work myself, much of the work myself. I enjoyed having hands-on doing the work. I give. I still give back to people. Um, I visit people in uh, the poorer neighborhoods not to go and pay their bills or del- to deliver food, but actually just to sit on their front porch and talk with them and and um, just be a friend. 
Yeah. And I would have never taken the time to do that before. I didn't see them, right? I didn't see people outside of my own neighborhood or work environment. Yeah. So in a way, it, it's been a blessing, it sounds like. Um, and that, that's odd to say because I can't imagine the, the trauma involved. But um, I, I have to think that for you to, to be able to experience the things that you're experiencing now and to be able to give back to other people and, and do things that you're, you're doing, developing the relationships that you have, um, and then you also have a nonprofit that you've started as well that we can talk about. But um, that has to be very rewarding and something that wouldn't, it doesn't sound like would have happened prior to the accident. I am pretty sure that everything I'm doing right now would have never happened prior to the accident. I lived in a middle income, you know, neighborhood, went to church every Sunday, just like you're supposed to do, and went through the motions that you do. I was the wife. I was the mom. I didn't think of anything outside of my neighborhood or my family. I didn't see the rest of the world really. And now I see things that I'd never seen before. I recognize people's pain. And I also understand that not everybody wants to be helped. Some people just want someone who's willing to talk to them and look them in the eye, which when we are around people who don't have the same things that we have, we don't really want to associate with them at all with the exception of just throwing them $20, but we don't want to have a conversation with them and learn their life story like I do now. Mm-hmm. And, and how has that been for you? It, how has that been for me? That's an f- excellent question. That's my new normal. So if I get busy, even with my construction company that I have now, I have to build in time to get away and go and visit people that I've made friends with when I was an urban missionary in the in the inner city, when I was just beginning to get back on my feet and venture outside my home. Mm-hmm. And, and you have uh, you've started a nonprofit. That's correct. Uh, um, tell us a little bit about that. I have a nonprofit called Literacy Impacting Futures Today. It, in my mind, is a more holistic approach to being able to help people become self-sufficient. We do a fantastic job of providing food, which people need, and clothing, which they need. But we don't do a great job of helping people to actually succeed and to being able to feed themselves. The process is long just like in my recovery, it's something that I recognize that it takes a long time. It's not a six month process. And we start with a literacy program that they can work on at home in the privacy of their own home so they can maintain some dignity that they don't have to let people in the world know that they don't know how to read, but it is something that holds them back from being able to get a better job or or going to school. And we provide them with access to be able to do that and then maybe they'll feel more comfortable going to the library and 
reading books and getting involved with book clubs and other literacy programs that are out there that are a little more hands-on. And we also have them take a test that helps them learn what their strengths are. And that way, my idea is that was a huge help for me. I had no idea who I was, right? I was who everyone told me I was. Mm-hmm. And I took a strength finders test through Gallup with Rhonda Boyle. And for the first time in my life, I realized who I was as honey. And I was able to use that along with coaching and mentoring to be able to develop and gain confidence in my abilities to do something with my life besides just exist. Yeah. And my goal is to be able to do that exact same thing with other people. I don't think that my injury made that different. I think I'm the exact same as everyone else, except that I had a reset. And so I had to look in the mirror and recognize that I had to do something to really learn who I was. Hmm. What have you, and I think you might have touched on it a little bit previously, but through this process, what have you learned, aside from everything, I guess, but <laughs> I mean about society and and about life that because you you started fresh in the middle of of your life and and you've been able to experience things in a different way. What have you learned that you can uh, uh, glean uh, and share with people something that a, a nugget of wisdom that you've learned in this time? I think that what I have learned is we only see inside of our own. We live in these fishbowls, right, of things that we know and understand. And it's difficult for us to look out and understand someone else's circumstance if we have not ever walked in those shoes or if we have not taken the time to actually become friends and relational with someone outside of our group. We stay safe, you know, inside our homes and in our work environment. Some people don't even venture out to know who their neighbors are Mm -hmm. on their own street. Right. And I think that what I've learned is that we all need each other. That when we try to do everything ourselves or we just stay within our own environment, we don't get to experience anything outside of that. And there's a fabulous world out there with very interesting people in all walks of life, whether they make no money or whether they make a million dollars. And what I've learned to do is is listen to people's story because everyone has one. What are your, your goals from here? Well, actually, my goals right now are I would love to take this concept, which I think is different than other nonprofits, and take it nationwide. I work with a lot of different nonprofits. I don't think that we are standalone, nor should we be. I think it's important for, as a community, to reach out and solve, help solve problems for people. But they do. I recognize that people have to want to change. It would have been very easy for me to give up and be put in a long-term health care center, but I was determined to get better. 
And I believe there's lots of people out there that are determined to get better and they just need the resources to be able to succeed. And I want to be a conduit. And I think that people want to help, really do want to help people. Mm-hmm. They just don't know how. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Honey, I thank you for uh, coming in, joining us. I thank you for sharing your story with us. And, and I know you've, uh, you've had the opportunity to go and speak to groups to share your story. You're helping other people that, that deal with uh, issues. Um, so thank you uh, for doing all of that and, and making these changes and, and giving back to people uh, through your struggles. And uh, I didn't know you before, but I'm, I'm glad I've gotten to know you a little bit now and uh, look forward to learning more about what you do with your, your nonprofit and everything else that's going on with your life. And hopefully uh, you remember me after this. If you, I have you as a Facebook friend, so All we right. ought to be good if you post. Excellent. Uh, if, people, <laughs> if people want to find out more about your uh, your nonprofit or uh, have you as a speaker and that sort of thing, how do they get a hold of you? They can contact me on our website, which is www.lift.care, C-A-R-E. Okay. So instead of .com, it's .care, lift.care. Okay, very good. Thank you, Honey Lucas, for uh, joining us on the OKC Show. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, at OKC Show. Also follow at Oklahoma Talking. You can also uh, find us on Facebook. Go like the Facebook pages for Oklahoma Talking and OKC Show. Check out all of the other great programs at oklahomatalking.co. I'm your host, Jason Baffrey. This has been the OKC Show, and we are out of here. This episode of the OKC Show is brought to you by OKMerch.com. Are you like me? Do you love music, especially local music? Then go check out OKMerch.com. It is 100% locally owned and operated. They offer vinyl, CDs, digital downloads, t-shirts, posters, koozies, stickers, and a whole lot more from all of your favorite local bands. So go to OKMerch.com right now and use the promo code OKCSHOW to get a special offer. Check it out, okmerge.com, and remember to use the promo code OKCSHOW. The OKC Show is a production of Destiny Creative.